The vault is open. Stay tuned. Hello and welcome to Writers Get Animated, a podcast about storytelling, animation, and Disney, 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 multiplied, not even plus. I'm Mackenzie Worrell. And I'm Chris Leva. And today we are talking about the vault, the deep vault, the old Disney animated shorts. The Disney vault is now available mostly. (laughs) Most of the Disney vault is available through Disney Plus, the new streaming service that we don't have to really mention because everyone probably knows about it. Yeah. And if it's not in your country yet, sorry. Uh, but we're going to talk about it. <laughs> but not the new stuff. We're not going to be talking about the new stuff that's coming out. Forky asks a question or the Spark Shorts or Encore starring Kristen Bell or The World According to John John, John Goldblum. Yeah, Jeff Goldblum? Like, Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> I said John. John Josh Goldblum. John Josh. Josh Jonathan John Jacob Brown. Jingleheimer Schmidt Goldblum. <laughs> uh, I feel like that was... Terrible. Um, anyway, we're not talking about any of that. Good old Jeff Goldblum. And we're, we're going, as you said, all the way back to the beginning of Disney. Because Disney is famous for a reason. Like, they did something before Snow White. And when their movies weren't making them money. Like, there's, there's stuff. <laughs> there's a reason Mickey Mouse is a person. You try to think of a Mickey Mouse movie. You go like, hmm, I can't do that. Which was the story of me in the 90s going to Disney World. Like, what is Mickey Mouse famous for? Like, who's Lindsay Lohan? (laughs) It's just that it's a persona. There's the persona of Mickey Mouse and there's the person of Mickey Mouse. Say more on that. Well, I'm just, I, I think that we understand Mickey as we understand Disney in terms of persona, there's this iconic status of the mouse whose three circles are everywhere and instantly iconic. And you understand that's who that person is. And then there's the smaller on the ground Mickey Mouse that has certain rules about the type of character that he is. And same thing could be said for the name Disney, you know, you have the idea of Walt Disney, the persona, this magical Uncle Walt who spun gold and, you know, had these fairy tales and was able to take them and turn them into something that audiences all over loved. And then you have the person of Walt Disney who was flawed and trying to get stuff made and almost put his company out of business multiple times. And, you know, there's, there's the persona and there's the person. And Mm. I think what we're diving into today, as we look at the shorts is what is at the heart of Disney persona or Disney DNA? What's, Mm. what's in there that, defines Disney and has defined Disney from 
basically the beginning. So I'm going to ask you a question about these shorts because uh, we talked a bit about this beforehand, but I'm going to talk about it more. Um, yeah. Why are these so hard to get a hold of until now? That's a that's a really good question. I mean, a lot of the silly symphonies, uh, which are totally different from Merry Melodies. Totally. Um, <laughs> which one is a knockoff of which one again? I'm assuming Looney Tunes knocked this off. I'm not sure. Merry Melodies versus silly symphonies. It's like... I don't know who made Ants and Bugs Life first. Like, which one came first? I don't know. Um, uh, anyway, the Silly Symphonies, they've been released on DVD here and there. There was a, the Disney Treasures collection that tried to release a lot of the shorts but then that would go back into the vault it's like hey it's out of the vault and it's in a special thing now it's going back in the vault um and they used to play a lot on the disney channel when hmm. i was uh when i was a kid watching it during free disney weekends um <laughs> because we didn't actually subscribe to the disney channel for the longest time um they would show some parts after mouser size which was fun Exercise show starring Mickey Mouse. Um, really hmm. strange show. <laughs> I hope they bring it back on Disney Plus now that I'm remembering it. <laughs> was, um, but they they never really had them out. And in some ways, it's because they were experimental. And I think now we demand a lot more from our animated shorts. And so I think it's better they they don't they don't do well without context. So I think just releasing them on their own as here's some random shorts because there's not necessarily a through line for them. They're very much standalone. So putting them into a group is difficult. Hmm. Unless you release all of them. But do they need to be so what I what I talked about beforehand is having grown up on the Looney Tunes, those were everywhere. Right. I mean, everywhere to the point that in 2002, we had those mall kiosks that gave you like the gangster Tweety Bird spray paint T-shirt with Tweety Bird holding a gun. And I recognize Disney wants more control over the characters. <laughs> right. <laughs> but um, I think I and many other people and really do talk about age difference, but at least my age, um, Rarely could someone my age tell you a lot about these Disney shorts. And I wasn't even aware that these existed for like the first couple decades of my life. Um, because Looney Tunes, you could find everywhere. They were free. They were in rerun. They were syndicated. Um, in these, it sounds like they have been made available on DVD and such. But that's like a, something you have to buy into. Right. And you'd have to know to look for them. I mean, the Disney Treasures collection is released for those people who go digging for it. <laughs> mm -hmm. They know that they exist. Uh, one of the things that I would say about this that's a big difference is the Merry Melodies, um, as far as Warner Brothers go, generally starred the main characters. So they would still have Bugs, Daffy, everybody would be part of the Merry Melodies. The Disney animated shorts, the silly symphonies, rarely, if ever, showed um, the uh, hot ticket items. You know, they very rarely had 
Mickey, Donald, Goofy, Chip and Dale, Minnie, Daisy, any of them in it. They were generally, hey, we're trying this out and we're putting some stuff together and here's some characters you've never heard of or seen and we'll probably never hear of again or see again. Hmm. We're just trying something out. So they really used them um, as experimentation. So in a lot of ways, if we think of it as a Disney sketchbook, it's like, do you really want to go and read the old sketchbooks? Personally, I, I do, but it's like, <laughs> are we going to release our sketchbooks out to the world? I mean, we they did when they needed to be in the cultural mindset, but right now Disney is everywhere. They don't have to release these sketchbooks out there in the world. And I don't think they've even done um, all of them. Most of them aren't on Disney Plus. Even the it, it's like Even, news to me now that there's non Mickey Mouse ones of these because it feels like all the ones they've added are Mickey Mouse, Donald Duck, Goofy, Pluto in that quadrant of shorts. Mm-hmm. No Oswald yeah, there, the Rabbit. No Oswald. Um, no, there aren't a lot of black and white Mickey um, or early Goofy. Like, I don't think there's the Mickey's Review which is the, the first appearance of Goofy when he was Dippy Dog. Um, right. I think I tried to find that because at one point I got curious as I'm watching dozens of these, just trying to understand and like see what I've missed in good animation. <clears throat> uh, I was like, what's the first one of all these characters? And I couldn't find the first Goofy one. Yeah, and I don't know if um, Little Red Hen is on there, which is the first Donald short. Um, I didn't go looking for that one. That one is because I did see that and I don't understand how Donald grew out of that. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not sure. I don't know. Takeaway that is not Donald Duck. (laughs) But he uh, he was an interesting personality that they could play with. He was he was different enough from Mickey Mouse. Like they needed a dangerous character and Mickey is too nice. Yeah. Donald was a jerk. Yeah. They needed a jerk and they needed a jerk that they could hit with things. And you don't want to do that with Mickey because in a lot of ways, Mickey is a stand in for Walt Disney himself. So you can't, you can't hurt Walt Disney. (laughs) He's he's too nice. Yeah. The persona of Walt Disney. That's what I'm saying. Yes. The persona (laughs) of Walt Disney. (sighs) (laughs) <laughs> okay. Well, thank you for uh, enlightening me on the why of this ish. <laughs> I feel like I understand better. I don't understand, but I understand better. Okay, good. Good. I mean, there, there are probably a lot of reasons why we're not seeing them. Some of it probably has to do with uh, insensitive depictions of various people. And you know which, what? Which are still part of things and they they're able to have small warnings on disney plus i go back and forth um so for anyone not aware it feels like they are very generous with what they allow through as being known as something that is offensive today i mean it was always offensive but now people know it's offensive (laughs) right um so it feels like they're very generous with the what they've let through the sieve of Disney Plus. Uh, mm-hmm. They do have a warning. It's like a blanket statement they put on 
all these on the details page of like this I short or feature may contain cultural depictions which are now known to be I forget the, the word they use, but known to be offensive or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of wish that's a good step. I wish they put that at the front when you hit play. Right. It's kind of buried. I don't yeah, think I w- that there's a reason to like hide and pretend that like these shorts don't exist. So I applaud them for celebrating what they are good for, but stating what they're not good for. But I wish they could be more <laughs> clear about that. On all the, on the Disney, I keep going back to the Disney treasure DVDs. Um, they had um, Leonard Malton. He, he would come on and say, hey, back when this was made, <laughs> this was going on culturally. So when you watch it, you know, this is going on. But now we know that, you know, students trying to assault their teacher with guns and stuff isn't funny. But back then, it kind of was. Enjoy this goofy cartoon. <laughs> That sounds like a very specific thing you're drawing from, but I did not watch that one. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a really. I don't think that one's on Disney Plus, but um, I I have it on the complete Goofy Disney Treasures. I was like, oh, because whenever whenever you see Leonard come on screen, you're like, oh, okay. I guess we have to pause for a moment so Leonard could tell us how different things were at this time. Back then, when we were fighting the Nazis, <laughs> it was, yeah, it was, it's always fun. But, but there, there's like, how do you balance the experience of watching it and the experience of being lectured to? And how do you acknowledge the past, but also apologize for it, but also celebrate it? You know, it, there's a lot of things that they're juggling. I feel like the warning is an apology. Yeah. And that's okay. It's it's like many cultural things that I love, like Charles Dickens. Like, I love reading Charles Dickens. That doesn't mean I like Charles Dickens the man and what he did in life. In fact, I'd argue that there might be no single artist from before... There might be no white male artist before, like, 1985 that <laughs> I can say I liked as a person, human being. (laughs) I feel like that's fair. We could still like art from before then. Yes. Problematic as it is. Mm. There's a limit. Right. Uh, Hence, no song of the South on Disney Plus. (laughs) Correct. Correct. There is no song of the South on Disney Plus. Hashtag not surprised. (laughs) Anywho, um, is there a, one short that really stands out to you that's something that we should dig into to get started today? Well, I feel like when I went on, I tried very hard to find things that I hadn't watched um, or that I hadn't watched in a very long time. Um, and there was one that I looked at that... I didn't recognize from the description, and that was uh, Babes in the Woods from 1932. Hmm. Did you happen to watch that one? I don't think I did. 
Oh, you don't think you did? What did you watch? How many uh, things did you watch? I watched a lot. Um, I watched some Mickey Mouse Club. I watched Pueblo Pluto. I did Once Upon a Christmas, Mickey's Christmas Carol. I went through Christmas thing at the same time. Magician <laughs> Mickey, Mickey's trailer. I watched Fun and Fancy Free. That's not a short, but it was fun. Uh, Lonesome Ghost, Steamboat Willie, I rewatched The Olden Days, The Wise Little Hen. Um, I kind of went through and tried to make sure I hit one short for each decade and got really frustrated before I had to Google and realize there were no shorts from the 60s or 70s that featured Mickey Mouse and Friends. (laughs) (laughs) So that's what I watched. But we could start with Babe in the Woods, which I haven't seen. Well, the the nice thing about this, if if you listeners are wondering how do i find these what's the easiest way do i just search for shorts the way to to do it and the way that i found it easily to find these hidden gems is to go to search and then it pops up all these cat uh collections and one of them is disney through the years and if you click on that you'll be able to see through the decades, starting in the 20s and 30s and the 40s and the 50s and the 60s. And then once you get to the 90s, they get buried in things like Home Alone and other random acquisitions and various stuff that happened in the 90s. But in the 20s and 30s, most of that is shorts. 40s, most of that is shorts. You know, some full-length things going on, but not until really 1937. So you have a lot of shorts in there. Pro tip, but pro tip, find them. Um, so Babes in the Woods, it's there's this adaptation of this British folktale called Babes in the Wood. So Disney's already changing stuff. Um, <laughs> plural woods, because we live in America. Um, and they added stuff from Hansel and Gretel by the Brothers Grimm. Um, and threw in some elves, which don't exist in anything, and they gave it a happy ending. So, um, <laughs> okay, I, I looked up the the storyline of the original folk tale of Babes in the Wood. So here, 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 here's what it is. So you can see already how this is what Disney's doing here. Um, there are two kids. And they're left with their uncle and their aunt after their parents died. Check one on the Disney checklist. Parents are gone. (laughs) Um, The uncle sends the children off to be killed so he can get their inheritance. um, And tells his wife, hey, they're just going to London to be taught stuff. Um, The ruffians don't kill him. And one of the two like the two murderers end up killing each other, essentially. <laughs> um, and one of them's like, hey, kids, I will come back for you. I'll, I'll bring you food. And he leaves the kids in the woods. And they keep going. And like the children wander alone in the woods until they eventually die. Just left alone, abandoned in the woods. Mm-hmm. And birds come around and cover them with leaves. And, um, like, bad things happen to the uncle. And in some versions, sometimes the kids are taken up to heaven. But it's like, it's basically be nice to children or you will 
have God's retribution and wrath upon you. Uplifting. Love it. Yeah. So, of course, Disney added a witch um, in there. So it starts off with this, <laughs> this image of this rock that kind of looks like a witch. And there is a sign that says, witch rock. And it's like, hey, we're going to tell you this story about some kids who went in the woods and there's a there's a rock called Witch Rock. And Hansel and Gretel, though they're not named Hansel and Gretel, they go wandering in the woods by themselves, these cute blonde little kids, and they find some elves. And all of the elves look exactly the same. They're tiny little um, white shirt, red pants, old guys with big beards teeny guys and they're bouncing around doing stuff and then a witch comes on a broom and terrorizes the elves and they all try to run into this house and the witch comes after them and they're like come on kids get in here they don't say that but they're like hey pulling the kids in get out of her cards and the witch catches them and takes them on a ride on their broom and it turns out oh she's not she's not bad she's taking them to a lovely house um, that's made of gingerbread and they start eating her house, which is she seems totally cool with. Um, she takes them in and puts them in cages and turns Hansel into a spider. And she's about to, um, she ter- accidentally turns her cat into stone with this kettle, uh, this cauldron full of stuff. And she's trying to turn Gretel into something, but the elves come in and shoot her with arrows. And we have this crazy madcap thing where the elves are shooting her with arrows. And you hear like the musical going as they hit her and they're like, ah, and they hit her with these arrows that are just bouncing off of her. And she falls off her broom because um, they launched something else at her. And she falls off her broom and lands in this pot and turns into stone. And then, the Disney narrator comes back and is like singing about now, you know, the story of which rock. And then it ends. I have so many questions. <laughs> you would. So Hansel's dead. <laughs> no, he's not dead. He gets turned back. Sorry. Oh, okay. He, he gets turned into a big spider. Oh, I left this out. Uh, there are also lots of other animals in cages, which turn out to be children that they all free. So she's not eating anybody. She's just turning them into like bats and cats and dogs and spiders. Is this the origin of the gingerbread part of this myth? I don't know. I'm not sure exactly what they're doing. I just think they were grabbing from a few different things that they thought sounded interesting hmm. and then put their own spin on it. Because if so, before now, if you told me to try and tell a story of Hansel and Gretel, it would, of course, include a witch and a gingerbread house and the witch trying to eat them. Like, that's what I knew about Hansel and Gretel. Yeah. And your origin story has none of those things. <laughs> right. The, the children are an, really an afterthought. In a lot of ways, they're not named in it. Um, so you never hear that their names are Hansel and Gretel, but they're basically Hansel and Gretel. So it's like, if you if you take a look at the original story, 
the antagonist is this uncle and this wife that you really don't have time to set up as bad characters. Like you, it takes time to set up that, oh, these children um, had parents and their parents are dead. This is the uncle and aunt and they're cruel. And now they're going to the woods to, like there's a lot to set up there as opposed to two kids wander in the woods. That's, you have to start the story there. Two kids wander in the woods and then what other antagonist are you going to find? Oh, it's their uncle. No, it has to be something dangerous in the woods themselves. Hmm. So, but the woods have an opportunity for good. They're the elves and then witches, which are bad. (laughs) And I, it's just weird for me, like, the elves have to be there because obviously the children can't save themselves. Obviously. It was the 1930s. Children are helpless. Children are are helpless, to paraphrase Stephen Sondheim. Um, (laughs) but But it also tries to teach about, like, cooperation, it feels like. And there's a lot of music and silliness. And the danger's really not all that dangerous. I mean, it feels like a lot of the a lot of animation seemed to grow out of like setting something to music because we couldn't do a lot else. Mm-hmm. It's not like they're going to sync up voice acting, <clears throat> right? Hence, silly symphonies and merry melodies. <laughs> Despite the fact that almost none of these shorts where it's just music and animation have lasted, which is true. All the ones we know don't really rely on the music part. except this one apparently so if you look up like what I see in terms of the Disney DNA in this one is finding a way to give it a happy ending so sanitizing a folk tale and just doing this pastiche and collage where you're just grabbing stuff from everywhere um, and adapting it to tell your own version of something that that you want to do and a very big influence for music. Hmm. So that that's those are the things that I pulled out of it to say, okay, that's the Disney part of this. That's why this is a Disney thing. Here are some hallmarks. Also trying to make it mythical and bigger. And like, oh, here's a the witch rock. Let me tell you a story about the witch rock. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, I could see them. Having watched just like the Mickey Mouse stuff, I felt like the opposite. But if you put this in like the same vein as Snow White and Cinderella, it is like this bigger, higher stakes fairy tale. Yeah, this is 1932. So it's a few years before Snow White. So they may be, you know, small men in beards saving people. You know, you're using these shorts to experiment. So... Here, let's experiment with the witch. Like, how do we use this witch? How dangerous can a witch be? Um, how can we practice our transformation effects? You know, mm-hmm. so there are lots of little ways of experimenting with different things to try to tell this fairy tale. And how dark can we get it? Which mm-hmm. I think is why they leaned, when you watch Snow White, it's a lot darker than 
you'd expect it to be like, well, it's a sanitized version. Yeah. But if you look at this one versus Snow White, like Snow White's dark in comparison. Yeah. Uh, yes. <laughs> People forget that about Snow White. I love Snow White. We're not here to talk about that today because we've already talked about it. But <laughs> I feel like one of the, the minority of people in the modern age who says, like, Snow White's a great movie. People don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. A lot of people don't. But now they can watch it. So if they have Disney Plus. It's right there. It's right there. <laughs> it's right there. <laughs> so tell me something that you watched that you were either surprised by or enjoyed. It doesn't have to be either of those two emotions, but just <laughs> tell me something that you watched that you, you're interested to talk about. Well, having really just done uh, the Mickey Mouse and Friends vein of things, um, I was trying to look at it through a couple lenses where as an adult, I've tried to look at these old animated shorts, not through the lens of like watching them on a cathode ray tube TV in the early nineties at grandma's house during nap time when I should be sleeping. <laughs> but in terms of how they originally made to be watched in a movie theater, if they're mm. really that old. Um, and also uh, through the lens of like, how is this, how are the Mickey mouse shorts different from the Looney Tunes shorts? Mm -hmm. And for me, Looney Tunes are now that I live in California, very rooted in the West coast in California. Like that's the kind of landscapes they have. It's either like the Sierras or the desert, or you move into Arizona with coyote and Roadrunner. Mm -hmm. um, it's very westerly in design and takes all that kind of for granted. And Mickey Mouse and friends seem to be rooted much more like in the Midwest. Yeah, it feels very um, suburban. It's a lot more Americana. And then when yeah. they start moving more into like the vacation stuff and in the 50s and they get obsessed with like the national parks and stuff like on Mickey yes. Mouse Club, <laughs> it becomes it's an event to go to these places in nature. It's not just like we're here in this episode. It's like, look how beautiful this is. A majestic national parks. Yeah, it's very much, very much an event. Yeah. So that was really interesting to me. And just to kind of see all that. Let's see. Let me go through. Um, I don't have these in order by year, but Steamboat Willie, we've talked about classic, mm -hmm. strange, strange classic. Yeah. Yeah. I think about it every morning as I pass by my Lego Steamboat Willie and just <laughs> look at it and go, that is so strange. <laughs> That is so, so strange. The Lego Steamboat Willie. <laughs> yeah, and just everything that it means. <laughs> yeah. But but the, the, the short itself is just odd. Like, it's just people remember it as a thing, but nobody, if you watch it, you're like, what am I watching? I think in the moment, you don't understand it. It just feels like, like a love letter to like traveling the Ohio river in like 1880 or 1890. And bizarre things just happening. Like, yeah. let me use, let me use these animals teeth as a xylophone. Okay. They were having fun with the music. It was just, I don't know. <laughs> I won't defend it. No, it was, it's, <laughs> it's fun, but it's, it's bizarre. Yeah. 
Um, and then I watched a few going into the 30s. Um, I think the earliest Goofy one I could find was Ye Olden Days, where I think Goofy's like this dumb prince that Minnie doesn't want to be married off to. Is that the one where they're the knights and they're jousting? Yeah. And then Goofy's like in the armor and it's running like a like a train. I think so. He's he's definitely a bad guy in this short. Okay. Which is like, strange to cast yeah. Goofy as like a bad guy. Goofy but not Goofy. I mean I think that was in back in the 30s like clearly the really dumb people are the bad guys. Like I just that's a pastiche that I think of back then. Um, the DNA of Goofy's there. Like, he's dumb, but he gets a lot dumber as he gets more good. He's a, he's really dumb now. <laughs> like, in, yeah. in the new Mickey Mouse shorts. Like, he is... He is so far gone. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, wow, there's... There's something going on with Goofy. <sighs> yeah. Um, I also watched The Wise Little Hen, the first Donald. What did you think about that? I know we talked a little bit about it in terms of why was Donald the breakout character from this, but what did you notice in it? What did you think of it? It wasn't that interesting of a short to me. <laughs> I mean, it's like it's like a little it's like a little fairy tale, but without stakes and where nothing happens. Uh, I feel like that defines the '30s and '40s and. Disney short animation. <laughs> I think by the end they get better because I we'll get into some stuff I saw at the end. Um, yeah. But yeah, so it's like this little hen mother and her little chicks who want help growing and harvesting and cooking all their corn. It's like the little song they sing as they go around and like ask Peter Pig and Donald Duck for help. And they're both just kind of like these lazy neighbors who do nothing and kind of like live this vagabond life and don't want to help with the corn. But when it's time <laughs> to eat the corn, they want to help eat. Of course. I mean, they're Fun. certainly the most memorable of the characters in that short, not the hen. Right. She, she shows up in other things, I believe. Yeah. I think that she's a character. Of that time, like the cow, Clarabelle. She's one of those background friend characters. Nice little hen. Yeah, she didn't end up. She got, if she did, she got redesigned as that one chicken. I can never <laughs> remember her, her name. But the chicken. Clara. Clara. No, Clara Cluck. That's 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 who she is. Clara Cluck. Okay. Okay. Clara anyway, Cluck. she she ends up being like a love interest for Donald and things like. Um where was she a love interest? And Don Donald, some some weird stuff that happened mm. between the two of them. She was she's a singer. She's like an opera singer, generally speaking. And she plays the cello in the uh, band concert. Mm. Yeah, I remember the band concert being really good. Yeah, that's when a we fun saw one. that before. Um, 
once you get into the late 30s, I saw kind of where the three main characters started to interact more. Mm-hmm. Like Magician Mickey, where Mickey's a magician and Donald is like trying to make fun of him. Which, again, didn't really have a plot or reason for existing, <laughs> but it was a whole bunch of cool stuff they did on screen. Uh, the one that I really liked, but was also really confused by, was Lonesome Ghosts. Yeah, that one, That one. it's one of the most iconic shorts for Mickey, Donald, and Goofy. Okay, so other people know of this. It's not just like this weird parallel world 1930s version of Ghostbusters. It is, but it also is a thing that people know about. Like Lonesome Ghosts and the ghosts in Lonesome Ghosts are really, really well known. Like if if you search for like Disney ghosts, I'm sure that you would find them a lot. But they're one of the most um, famous renderings of those three characters together. Hmm. So you thought it was, tell me a little bit about Let's let's talk about the plot of Lonesome Ghosts because it is it's strange. Well, it's like the ghosts have. I watched this a couple weeks ago. Let me do my best. Um, <laughs> the ghosts are bored because they've scared everyone away who might possibly want to come into their haunted house, and so to lure new people there, they call some ghost busters, but they're not called that. It's mm-hmm. some company of Mickey, Goofy, and Donald. But the whole thing is like, we bust ghosts. I, I don't. This whole thing feels like a weird parallel universe thing to me. <laughs> yeah, I think they're the Ajax somebody ghost. Yes. Because and I always found this fascinating as a kid that Disney characters used the Ajax company and the Looney Tunes characters had Acme. Mm-hmm. So I was like, wait, so I just I guess it's. Like Coke and Pepsi. You just yeah. choose. You either get all your stuff from Ajax or you get your stuff from Acme. Which generic off-brand anti-capitalist message do you want? <laughs> None of it ever works. Like, I can't imagine the point is like, yay, capitalism. Uh, <laughs> but here we are. Uh, so anyway, Mickey, Donald, Goofy go to bust the ghosts and get scared and are generally incompetent <laughs> at their job, but they get chased into like some molasses and flour or something at some point and then the ghost run off scared at some point i think donald says i ain't scared of no ghost he does he does have a line <laughs> like that i can't remember which it was but i remember watching it later going wait what <laughs> it's it's like reading reading or seeing like one of the source materials for like the first Star Wars movie, like the novel Scaramouche, the French pulp novel, which is basically the plot of Star Wars, but in like pre-revolution France in the 1700s. And like the, they tell someone like, help me. What's a French name? Help me Jacques. You're my only hope. And like, there's all kinds of insanity. And there's like a carriage that's the Millennium Falcon that they're all riding around in. You just keep reading it like this can't be Star Wars, but it is Star Wars. (laughs) That's how I felt about the short in Ghostbusters. Like what more could they possibly do to tell me that Ghostbusters like heavily took things from this short for their movie? That's exactly what happened. I, I, no one can tell me otherwise that Bill Murray had never seen this short or something. I won't believe it. 
Many people believe this cartoon was the inspiration for Ghostbusters. Also, the phrase, I ain't scared of no ghost, occurs in this cartoon. Yes, exactly. Ta-da! <laughs> um, anywho, um, I also watched, one of my favorites was uh, Mickey's Trailer. <gasps> oh, I love Mickey's Trailer. It's so it's, good. It is bizarre in a, f- I keep using that word, it is bizarre and... Um, the physical comedy is just, it's remarkable. Yes. And it's so well animated. I wrote down my one note specifically is the corn husking sequence is impressive. I think it's when like Goofy or Mickey are taking the corn husks off the cornfields that they're passing. Yeah. It's Mickey. He's out hanging out the window and hitting it with a knife and then it flips and he hits it with his shoe and it goes into the pot. And starts cooking that part. And it's not just that, but it's a 1938 short. It's like not a straight road. It's a curved road. So that's all happening as the actual things are rotating and they're going around the bend in the road too. Mm -hmm. It's not just like a a side view of a cornfield on the back of the trailer and Mickey husking corn. It's almost 3D corn rotating in its view. Yeah. It's really... Strange to think that they accomplished that back then. They clearly learned a lot from Snow White the year before. It's it's very hard to imagine doing those films without the tools that we have today. It's very hard. Um, this is, I'll say this one thing and I'll come back to Mickey's um, trailer. But we were watching Pluto's Christmas Tree. And it opens up with a title card that says Pluto's Christmas tree and the words Pluto's Christmas tree are in this sparkly font that looks like glitter and it sparkles. Hmm. And I'm I'm like in that five seconds that that's on screen, that's hundreds of drawings to make the glitter sparkle like that. It looks amazing, but that took just, so much time to paint it just right to get it to sparkle that way. And now we just take that for granted because I can put, I can put sparkles on my face while I'm talking on Instagram or something, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it doesn't even matter. Like there's no magic. Oh, um, see, that's how you get me to sign up for Instagram or Snapchat. If every time I started a story or session, it would do like an animation title card type thing before I started talking. That would be fun. Yeah. Anyway, back on topic. So Mickey's trailer. The other thing that I like about that is anytime you put Goofy in charge of things. (laughs) He messes it up. It's just so beautiful. And there's always a moment where they regret what they've done. (laughs) Like they're like, hey, Goofy, come and eat, you know, and he goes in the back and I'm like, but I also blame Donald and Mickey as well, because the car's still going. They're not like pull over so we can ha- all have breakfast. They know the car's moving. They feel the car moving. He just joins them in the back and lets the car be tugged by a cow at that point, I believe. He's, he's. Yeah. No, they were driving, I think. I think they have a car. Yeah. It's well, like they a have car. a They have a car and he's like, oh, no, no, no. I'm, I'm conflating it because he uses hay to get the cow so that Mickey can milk the cow. Yes. 
Okay. And he just he just straight up leaves the driver's seat and <laughs> goes to eat. And then they get disconnected from each other. The trailer disconnects from the car as Goofy's running to get back into the driver's seat. They're like, who's driving? Yeah, who's driving? Why I'm driving. <laughs> that was a and very then, good Goofy. <laughs> <laughs> he runs up, kicks it by accident, and they start going. And then he's like, oh, that was close. <laughs> and, <laughs> and Donald and Mickey go through this harrowing experience as the trailer goes down the hill. Oh. I like that you didn't watch this one, but you launched into like a plot recap beat by beat. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I told you, I tried very hard to find ones I hadn't watched. <laughs> this is the first one where I was like, this is the DNA of Disney. And the rest were kind of like, really? interesting windows but this one i feel like has the technical prowess um mm. the mise-en-scene that i think disney captures with their mickey mouse and friends area mm-hmm. um and the plot and slapstick humor that i think this franchise is known for as yeah. opposed to just weird stuff happening like Magician Mickey or Yielden Days. I think if you end up watching Lonesome Ghosts, um, Mickey's trailer, and I would throw in, I don't know if it's on Disney Plus, I forgot to look. Um, I sh- can't imagine that it's not. Um, Clock Cleaners, hmm. you'll end up with like a good view of those three characters finding their voices in, in a lot of ways. Um, and it's funny that you talked about that because I was watching... This is really random, but not quite because you'll see where I'm going. Uh, I was watching a Masterclass from Bob Iger. You know that website, Masterclass, that's like, yeah, hey, learn from Danny Elfman. Um, or Do we have a sponsor now? Are we doing a Masterclass commercial? We are not, but I feel like we could get some of that sweet, sweet Masterclass money. Um, anyway... <laughs> they have Bob Iger talking about uh, leadership and running a business. And he's talking about when he was interviewing for becoming CEO. He was the only internal candidate for the CEO thing. Uh, job, position, that's what it is. And he was going through his priorities and his friend like stopped him. Like, you have to stop. You have to come up with like three. You, you just People are going <clears> to <throat> get bored. You have to come up with three. So he came up with three and the first two, I was like, well, that's why he got the job because he hit on Disney DNA. So his priorities for the Walt Disney company were number one, invest in creativity two, embrace technology and three, think globally. Hmm. And I was like, yes, the think globally is Disney for now. And the first two are things that Disney has always done like that what's the most creative way to do this how can we stretch ourselves creatively and then the technology is how can we use technology and push that forward to tell our stories better it's so interesting here that i feel like i need to watch this because uh my husband's been watching all the like defunct land shorts oh yeah on youtube yeah and how much kevin perjurer the creator like seems to despise michael eisner uh, <laughs> and what are you talking about Bob Iger's priorities, Richard? I was like, cool, like buy Star Wars. And 
and no, it's just three spiritual things to do, not physical things to accomplish, which it seems like Eisner was obsessed with like accomplishing things and right. Bob Iger's about building a culture. Right. Hmm. And, and that's what he <clears throat> talked about most is like, here are the strategies and I have to get people behind them. And here's the core of what we do. And it's the core of every decision we make. And when you look at things that are happening now, like Galaxy's Edge at Disneyland, the, the creativity that went into that and the technology that went into that is, is this marriage between, between those two things. Mm -hmm. um, and um, I know I, I haven't watched all of it, but also on Disney Plus is like the Imagineering story. So going through things, the physical imagination of dis creating Disneyland and going through when things were, looked dark during the Eisner times um, and when they made mistakes and how do you correct those mistakes and turn things around like California Adventure, <laughs> turn that into something that works. Yeah, people seem to like it now. This is yeah. off the topic of the podcast, but living in California, the Californians think that Disneyland is the best Disney park. And I'm constantly confused by this. What do you do you think Walt Disney World is? I mean, I've I've been to Walt Disney World and not Disneyland. So again, I'm also biased. I haven't been to either one really in like two decades. Um, but it seems like Disney World is obviously and objectively the best one. That's what it feels I, like to me. I've been there once to Walt Disney World and I've been to Disneyland multiple times. I feel bad talking about this because we're slightly off topic, but I feel <laughs> it's on like topic. it's the history of it's, Disney. It's on topic. Um, but I feel like Walt Disney World was overwhelming for me. Hmm. It was just way too much. And Disneyland was like a leisurely stroll through imagination. And Walt Disney World just felt like too much for, world for is my a, brain. It's a destination. It's not meant to be done right. quickly. <clears throat> right. And I Where's feel like... Yeah, my experience of it was just being, was drowning. Like I couldn't yeah. figure things out. Also, it was miserable because of humidity, which I didn't know what that was when I was a kid <laughs> coming from yeah. New Mexico. It's like, why is my body feel awful? And all I'm doing is standing here. East Coast. <laughs> and the part next to the East Coast, the Midwest and Florida. Uh, yeah, I had no idea. I, I just knew I was miserable. <laughs> Fun times. Fun times. <laughs> Anywho, getting back on topic, the yes. the last like old Disney short I really want to talk about was um, I watched the short in the first Mickey Mouse Club episode because I'd never seen Mickey Mouse Club, so partly I wanted to like see what it was about. Yeah. First of all, the intro is gorgeous. But it goes on forever. The march, the Mickey Mouse Club march. Yeah. M I C K E Y M O U S E. That's basically seven minutes. <laughs> it's like, but everyone is in it too. Huey, right. Dewey, and Louie, Chip, and Dale. Dumbo's in it for some reason. Yeah, it's just yeah. everything Disney. Everything. It's like look, and Jiminy Cricket's in there too. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone's in there. It was interesting seeing 
that and then the uh, the short attached to the first episode is Puebla Pluto, which gets into that like Mickey traveling as an event kind of thing. Like they're doing mm. a Route 66 road trip and stop at some gift store in Arizona or New Mexico. I don't know. <laughs> there were Saguaro, which, as I know now, is in one of those states or Mexico, not California. <laughs> yeah, I believe it's Arizona. I don't think I've seen them. It's part of the Sonoran Desert and not the Colorado or Mojave. I've learned a lot about deserts living here. I just remember seeing them only, this this is on topic, only uh, from our drive from Albuquerque to Anaheim to go to Disneyland. Yeah, there's a lot there in the middle. So, yeah. I'm pretty sure we were in Arizona. Yeah. I mean, that's most of what's between Albuquerque and Anaheim. Arizona. <laughs> <Ta-da>! <laughs> uh, but my one thing about Pueblo Pluto was, no, I guess two things. <laughs> it was interesting that they'd gone back to black and white because, of course, it was on TV and TVs were in black and white then. Right, right. But it looks like it wasn't a short in color that they, like, made black and white. It's It doesn't look like it was made to be black and white. It looks like they kind of, like, Xeroxed it, and you have like the tones of gray. Yeah, they. I did wonder that where a, the color versions are. Yeah, I think for a lot of those, um, it was done in color, and then I have no proof for that. But knowing that they did other things, I think it it was taken to grayscale. I would love to see those restored and what that looks like. But thing number two was um, while Mickey's trailer from 1938 was like the first Disney DNA thing that was like, yes, that's Disney. Uh, Pueblo Pluto, I think, is the first like Mickey Mouse DNA that Hmm. I think is still recognizable today. Like this is, I think, the format and style of short that you still see in Mickey Mouse shorts today. Hmm. Yeah, they do have color versions from 1949. So they do exist. Oh. They're out there. Oh, that's the one. Oh, yeah. He's barking outside of the ring of cacti. cacti. The yeah. little dog stole his bone. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, bark, bark, bark. I'm just flipping through and seeing. I'm like, yes, it's that one. I remember that one. Yeah. And he's like, here's a bone for you. And the little dog gets it. I can't remember anything else beyond that because I think that's most of the plot. It was cute. It it felt like something that I could have, that they would have, like, that dialogue, that plot could have been made in the 90s or 2000s, and I would have believed it just as much. Mm. It doesn't feel like they would have had to change anything for it to still be topical. I do also appreciate in those ones, it's always like the Pluto shorts are basically... Mickey Mouse cartoons, they start, a lot of them start off like, I'm a Mickey Mouse cartoon. And Mickey's just there to be like, well, Pluto, I got you to this new location for your next adventure. I'm leaving for a while. I'll see you at the end. (laughs) (laughs) Like Muppet Babies, except Mickey's nanny. Basically. Well, I'm the adult. I'll go away and I'll allow hilarity to ensue without me. Bye. Seems legit. Yeah. He comes back either with new friends or completely causing some other frustration. 
Like, what? We have chipmunks? Why didn't you tell me, Pluto? Like, it's just, it always ends up being something. The chipmunks. I need to watch more because it still feels like this. I don't know when characters get introduced and when they become good guys. And I skipped around a lot. And in one short, I feel like I saw an early, a proto Chippendale where they don't talk and are like chattering chipmunks. And then I skipped to the 80s. And they're like the neighbors of Huey, Dewey, and Louie, and they annoy them. And I don't understand. <laughs> what happened in the middle? <laughs> yeah, they're I I love them as the antagonists for Donald. Like those are my favorite ones are Chippendale versus Donald, which is because, basically Donald versus original Donald personality. <laughs> right. Like we're some jerks who are stealing your stuff. Ah, don't steal my stuff. Oh, we stole your stuff and then it just gets worse. Like there's a <laughs> there's a Christmas one where Donald's making popcorn and they steal his popcorn and he just goes crazy because he's just, well, it starts off because he becomes a jerk first. He, he tries to get Chip and Dale to sweep his um, drive, his walkway clean of snow. Like he's shoveling. He sees Dale sweeping his, snow off of a branch he grabs him and puts him down on his drive on his walkway and then makes dale do it and then they realize what he's done and they're like we're gonna we're gonna take you out man and then they steal his popcorn i'm learning so much (laughs) that's we watch that every christmas yeah so looking back at your disney dna uh I feel like what I watched is the the other Disney DNA, because like you talked about Babe in the Woods kind of being in this sanitized fairy tale collage theme. Right. And yeah, that does feel like Disney DNA for like one direction. And then like the Mickey and Friends DNA, like is DNA that grew in a completely different direction. Mm-hmm. And I think there are other things that I think the biggest thing is exploring and changing and, and, and adapting. So there's like the nature exploration, which, you know, makes sense to have National Geographic now on Disney Plus. And yeah. so if if you look at the things, the big buttons on your Disney Plus, it's like, oh, yes, these all relate back to Disney DNA. It makes sense that we would have Star Wars and Lucasfilm in there because that's, again, technology and creativity and storytelling all together. So those acquisitions now look like things that make sense from the heart of the company. Hmm. And then you have things like Jeff Goldblum that's like, oh, yeah, it's, let's have, it's basically goofy in live action <laughs> asking questions about strange things like why, why does denim exist? Oh, yes. Why don't you tell me about, like, why, 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 why does denim exist? A yuck. Yeah, exactly. You go the other way. If you just put a goofy voice on Jeff Goldblum and change nothing else, like, that would, it would be basically the same show. It's just goofy. No, I I do the exact opposite. I, I want Jeff Goldblum reading goofy lines, but not doing the goofy voice. Hmm. A yuck. Mm. A, 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 yuck. A, a, a garsh. <laughs> well, a garsh. We have uh, over here, over here, we have uh, these delightful, delightful trinkets for sale. 
I, I just think of Jeff Goldblum in Portlandy. That's my go-to Jeff Goldblum. Mm. Mm. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> did you have a favorite thing, Chris? I think my favorite thing <laughs> has been this conversation. No, um, oh, good. I think for me it was just this this realization. Where where was it in Babes in the Woods? Um, since that's the one that I focused in on. I mean, even though Mickey's trailer. Okay, let me say this. My favorite thing in Mickey's trailer is when the trailer goes on that fence, that picket fence, <laughs> like a railroad track, and mm-hmm. it just goes wild. That I think that's my favorite thing from the things that we've discussed today. What about for you? I'm going to go with Mickey's trailer also. And I just want to go with like the, how do I describe it? The dramaturgy of the ridiculous magical trailer. Mm. Like how it worked and what it did was well thought out and nothing really conflicted, if that makes sense. So all kinds of things like beds and tables and strange things pop out of this trailer from strange spots. Like they don't overlap and they keep that straight. It's not like bad improv where props made up props magically appear and disappear. It's right. It's well kept track of weirdness. There are rules and continuity to where things live in the trailer. Mm -hmm. Which makes it memorable. It's not just a magical trailer that does whatever you want. It's a magical trailer that has its own rules that you establish as you go along. Then you stick to them. Hmm. I'm going to watch that tonight. I'm going to. Please. I feel inspired to go watch it again. I'm like, I love that one. That's one of my favorites. Your homework time this week is to do the homework time from last week. <laughs> I tried to watch things I hadn't watched. Like like you said, I haven't seen that in years, and I'm able to give a beat by beat. Like, I know what, what happens in it. I wanted to watch something different. <laughs> I also support that. I get it. I get it. <clears throat> cool. Uh, shall we talk homework time? Let's. Your homework for next time is to go find your nearest Disney executive and tell them to listen to the next episode of Raiders Get Animated, in which Chris and Mackenzie pitch our Disney Plus ideas for shows and movies. It's basically going back to our old thing of it writes itself, but doing it only Disney Plus style. And I'm serious. Find your nearest Disney executive. Fly to Anaheim. I don't know what you have to do. Uh, we're not going to find these people. Uh, but if you find them for us, uh, we'll give you a shout out on Twitter once we get a signed deal show. No credit, no cut. Just we'll give you a shout out on Twitter. As always, we'd like to say thank you to Jacob Reed for our theme music and a special thank you to Nigel Coutinho, our sound engineer. You can uh, connect with us on Twitter, like we mentioned, at WG Animated, and find all of our show notes on writersgetanimated.podbean.com. And if you're really feeling generous in the spirit of the season, you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you can leave reviews for things you listen to. Yelp? Question mark? <laughs> Do they still exist? I don't know. <laughs> Let's find out. <laughs> One of my favorite things on Disney Plus is Forky asks a question just because Jack now says, 
Fuck, he asks a question. <laughs> Got a regular uh, uh, future Harvey Firestein right there with you. That's how they say it in the show. <laughs> anyway, good night, everybody.